ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome to What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama Jay. Um, and we are coming to the end of February. So this is our last episode of the month. Wow, time flies. <laughs> I know. This year is going by fast already. I know. Um, speaking of, you know, things like that, any What the Ale moments this week, Mom? You know, I think mine for today is just I have two out of my three children. I haven't checked your mood yet. <laughs> two out of them, my uh, three children are kind of having a day. And so, um, yeah, just kind of a little bit of down energy. Not sure what it's all about. Well, one of the kids, I know for sure what it's all about. But um, yeah, so it's just kind of a, the mood in the household is a little low today. I see. I see. We'll definitely make sure to uh, sushi roll those kiddos and hopefully they get yeah and you know they perk up a little bit (laughs) yeah I think everybody's a little tired and moody but yeah yeah what about you um let's see what the ill what the ill what the ill uh I kind of have a good one um my colleagues and I all decided to like go out for drinks after work and it was really fun and Like, nice to just, like, hang out outside of work and not have to worry about, like, getting back to our calls or, you know, whatever we're doing. So, yeah, it was it was really nice. And uh, yeah, you should do that more often. I know. We were joking, like, every payday. <laughs> um, but, you know, Very we'll, cool. see. we'll see. We'll see. So, yeah, um, I guess kind of related to that, Mom, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a Black Butte Porter, which is, you know, one of my faves. So, Nice. I, um, so I had, like I said, drinks with my coworkers, but then when I got home, my, my little, my little sweetie had a tall boy that was like a wine cooler and oh. a mango lime wine cooler by Seagram's. Um, oh, great. I, like, I don't think I'm going to drink all of this if you want some. So I'm having a, a mug of that. <laughs> okay. It's so funny how like wine coolers are sort of coming back. <laughs> Because that was like a thing when I was in high school. And then you hear about wine coolers for years and years and years. And now you're starting to hear about them again, which is kind of funny. Yeah. I feel like things kind of circle back. I was thinking about like baby names and how like baby names that like are from the olden days are kind of circling back and becoming more normal. Whereas like, like, you know, no one names their kid like Kimberly anymore, which I feel like was like the 80s and 90s baby's name. But like everyone's going to the Elliot's and the Mabel's and the yeah it's like interesting to see how things like that cycle it's funny I was talking to some people about that over the weekend where you're talking about how to choose names and like you know uh, common names or giving family names and um yeah the name Gladys came up and I was like yeah I've never met anybody named Gladys but all I you know I think about Miss Gladys you know because gotta have some Gladys night in your life but like I've never met a Gladys before but apparently that name is coming back around I met a Gladys in college. Uh, like she was like my age in college. So hmm. they exist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess uh, we can get into our story for the week, though. Okay. What you got for us? So I kind of decided to cover a story that 
you know, might be a little short, but I think it's kind of cool. Um, I am a big fan of a rock and roll conspiracy theory or a rock and roll kind of mythology sort of moment. Um, okay. So I decided to cover Robert Johnson. Now, I'm sure you know who that is, right? <laughs> no. Okay. So Robert Johnson, um, you know, I'll get more into the history, but he is considered one of like the grandfathers of blues and of rock and roll. And he was kind of, you know, he lived a short life, but he seemed to have a huge impact on the music and music industry. Um, in time. So I'm going to cover the history about him and then a little bit about, you know, why we're including him on the podcast. And then, um, I think we can just go from there, but, um, so he was born um, on a p- plantation in 1911 in Mississippi. Um, his mother was the child of slaves, but um, she kind of worked in like that weird in-between era where you could still work on a plantation, but you were getting somewhat of a wage um, in the South. Um, and so he lived all around Mississippi and Tennessee. He mostly lived in a town called Robbinsville um, while he was alive. Okay. Um, and as a child, uh, he had learned how to play the Jew's harp, which is some sort of stringed instrument. I'm not really sure why it's called that, but that's what it's called. Yeah. Um, and then he eventually learned the guitar. Okay. Uh, when he was about 18 years old, he married 16-year-old Virginia Travis, who sadly died in childbirth in 1930. And, um, you know, in that process also lost his young son. And oh, wow. He was completely devastated and moved to Robbinsville, Mississippi, or moved back to where he was originally. Um, And while he was there, he met the Masters of Blues and he was like, hey, guys, I want to jam with you guys. And like some of these guys are like Willie Brown or Charlie Patton, um, you know, people who you kind of hear about when people throw around blues names. You're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that guy. Um, But they were completely unimpressed with his talent. They're like, who is this annoying guy with a guitar? Like you know, whatever. (laughs) And he came back a year later and they were completely blown away by his musical ability. Oh, really? And there's kind of a plausible theory and then there's the fun theory. So I'm going to do the plausible theory first and then we'll get into the- Wait, okay. I think I know who this is now. (laughs) Okay, go ahead though. I was going to say, a lot of people kind of know the story, you know? Yeah, Um, I think I know now. Okay, but go ahead. So, um, like I said, uh, there's the plausible theory and the fun theory. So I'm going to do the plausible theory first and then get into the fun. So the plausible theory is that Robert went, um, back to Robbinsville and he trained under Ike Zinneman, who was a really well-renowned, like, blues musician in the area, um, and something I guess that had also happened during this time was he had gotten remarried to an older, wealthier woman, um, and she had the money to like provide, you know, a stipend or something for him to go take musical lessons. Okay. And so he learned lots of different musical styles, like not just traditional, like what is known as blues. Um, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people were like, "Oh, like, yeah, he just like learned all these different types of music and whatever." Um, but the theory that most people know 
is that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil for eight years of musical. Yes, ma'am. He made a deal. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, and the reason why a lot of people think that too is actually within his later music. Uh, after this time, he released a song called "The Crossroad Blues." Yeah, another song called "Hellhound on My Trail." Yeah. The funny thing is, is that my research did say this, and I listened to the songs to confirm, but they don't mention anything about meeting a crossroads demon. So I do think that's interesting. Uh-huh. But I did find a kind of fun article that kind of told the story in a whimsical way and I thought it'd be funner to do it that way than just like read the details so I'm gonna like do a little story time right now (laughs) okay (laughs) um let me get it up um so as it's told by a Mr. Henry Goodman Robert Johnson had been playing in Yazoo City and over at Beulah trying to get back up to Helena which is in Arkansas And the ride left him out on a road next to the levee. Walking up the highway with his guitar in hand propped on his shoulder on an October cool night with a full moon filling up the dark sky. He started thinking about Sun House preaching to him, put that guitar down, boy, you're driving people nuts. (laughs) Now, Robert Johnson was known as a man always needing a woman and some whiskey. And with those big trees all around and a dark, lonesome road, There was a crazed, poisoned dog howling and moaning in a ditch alongside the road, sending electrified chills up and down his spine, coming up on a crossroads just south of Rosedale. Robert was feeling bad and lonesome. He knows people up the highway in Gunnison, and so he knew he could get a drink of whiskey and more up there. There was a man sitting off to the side of the road on a log who says, You're late, Robert Johnson. At which point he drops to his knees and says, maybe not. The man stands up, tall, barrel-chested, and black as the fever or the forever closed eyes of Robert Johnson's stillborn baby. And he walks out in the middle of the crossroads where Johnson is kneeling. And he says, stand up, Robert Johnson. You want to know that guitar over there in that ditch with that hairless dog? Or, whoops, sorry. You want to throw that guitar over there in that ditch with that hairless dog and go on back up to Robbinsville and play the harp with Willie Brown and son because you just another guitar player like all the rest. Or do you want to play guitar like nobody ever played it before? Make a sound nobody ever heard before. You want to be the king of the Delta blues and have all the whiskey and women you want. And (laughs) Robert responded, that's a lot of whiskey devil, whiskey and woman devil man. And he said, I know you, Robert Johnson. Um, he then felt the moonlight bearing down on his head and the back of his neck um, as the moon seems to be growing larger and bigger and brighter. He felt it like the heat of the noonday sun bearing down and the howling and moaning of the dog in the ditch penetrated his soul, coming up through his feet and the tips of his fingers through his legs and arms, settling in that big empty place beneath his breastbone causing him to shake and shudder, and he said, that dog gone mad. The man said, the hound belongs to me. He ain't mad. He got the blues. I got his soul in my hand. At that point, the dog let out a a long, soulful moan, howling like never before, rhythmic, syncopated grunts, yelps, and barks, seizing Robert Johnson like a grand mall and causing the strings of his guitar to vibrate, hum, and sing, with a sound dark and blue. 
beautiful soulful chords and notes possessing robert johnson taking him over spinning him around losing him inside his own self wasting him lifting him up into the sky robert link looks over in the ditch and sees the dog reflecting in the moonlight or more likely it seems to robert johnson glowing on their own a deep velvet penetrating glow and robert knows and feels that he is staring into the eyes of a hellhound as his body shudders from head to toe the man says the dog ain't for sale robert johnson but the sound can be yours and that's the sound of the delta blues i gotta have that sound devil man that sound is mine where do i sign you ain't got a pencil robert johnson your word is good enough all you gotta do is keep walking north but you better be prepared there are consequences prepared for what devil man you know where you are robert johnson you're standing in the middle of the crossroads at midnight that full moon is right over your head you take one more step you'll be in rosedale you take this road east you'll get closer to highway 61 in cleveland or you turn around and go back to down to beulah or just go to the west and sit up on the levee and look at the river but if you take one more step in the direction you're headed you go going to be in Roseville, Rosedale at midnight under this full October moon, and you're going to have the blues like never known to this world. My left hand will forever be wrapped around your soul, and music will possess all who hear it. That's what's going to happen. That's what you better be prepared for. Your soul will belong to me. This is not just any crossroads. I put this X here for a reason, and I've been waiting on you. Robert Johnson rolls his head around, eyes upwards in their sockets, to stare at the blinding light of the moon, which is now completely filled high black pitch till tonight. Piercing his right eye like a bolt of lightning as the midnight hour hits, he looks the man squarely in the eyes and says, Step back, devil man. I'm going to Rosedale. I am the blues. The oh. man moves to one side and says, Go on, Robert Johnson. You the king of the Delta Blues. Go on home to Rosedale. And when you get on up in town, get you a plate of hot tamales because you're going to be needing something in your stomach where you're headed. And that is the end of the lovely story that I wrote down. Okay. Um, and who wrote that story? Um, It was someone named Henry Goodman. Um, okay. It was, it was kind of linked to like an NPR like podcast I found. And I just kind of liked the transcript and was like, I'm just going to read it, you know? Okay. So... You know, some of this could be speculation. <laughs> some of this could be real. I just thought it was really interesting. Um, so what what happened after? Like, did he, like, what were, what were his successes or where did he yeah. go with his guitar playing? So, um, like I said, he decided to settle in Helena, Arkansas. And while he was there, he played with blues greats like El Elmore James, Robert Nighthawk, and Howlin' Wolf. Um, and there were others, but those were like the kind of big three mentioned. Um, and he also became um, involved with a woman named Esther Coleman and informally adopted her son, who became the blues legend Robert Jr. Lockwood, which mm. you heard of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's like his adopted son. Okay. Um, and in his life, so like I said, he lived another eight years. So he played all around the South and he actually made it as far north as Chicago. Um, he played in house parties. He played at juke joints. He would, you know, busk on the street. He even played at like lumber camps or like labor camps. Um, 
1936 and 37, he recorded several songs. And okay. something that is kind of unique of his sound is that, um, you know, at the time, blues was a lot more kind of loose, looser, loose, um, like not super rigid or there wasn't a lot of like a format. It was just kind of whatever the artist was feeling. They kind of jammed. It was fun. Um, and he created, you know, a tighter and more intentional sound than what was kind of known at the time, which is kind of why they call him the grandfather of blues. Um, and his songwriting ability has been praised by none other than Bob Dylan. Oh, <laughs> um, who, at least in our family, we consider to be one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Um, yeah, he's a poet for sure. And he is also known to have influenced big artists like Muddy Waters, Eric Clapton, mm. um, lots of others. Like I said, he was playing with Robert Lock, uh, Junior Lockwood was his, you know, son. Like all these big names were like really influenced by his music. So, yeah. Well, probably anybody that was like a great guitarist, like Eric Clapton, people like that, you know, I'd like it would make sense that they would be heavily influenced by him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, and as I mentioned, he only lived eight more years before he died. Um, so in 1938, he tragically passed away at the age of 27. Oh. And something I want to say is his death is mysterious as well. There's two okay. versions. So. Does one involve hellhounds? <laughs> no. <laughs> but, um. His death certificate says that he died on a plantation near Greenwood, Mississippi, and okay. it said there were complications due to syphilis. And so if he was known to be a chaser, a woman and all of those things, you know, that could be a thing. Yeah. However, his friend, David Honeyboy Edwards. Um, so Honeyboy claimed that he actually drank poisoned whiskey and then died on the plantation. And okay. he said he knew this because he had been playing with Robert and um, a few days before his death and Robert drank whiskey, which he believes had been poisoned by one of his jealous girlfriends. <laughs> oh, wow. And I tried to dig into the true crime element of that. Could not find any evidence of it. But I think okay. it's interesting that his friend kind of thought it was murder and not, you know, syphilis. Um, who knows? Hmm. Huh. Um, I don't know if penicillin shots were as available as they were back then, so, <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, so those are kind of the two stories, but yeah. nevertheless, um, even his gravesite is mysterious as three churches in the Greenwood area have headstones and claim that he is buried there, but no one knows where he is actually buried. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so he is. You would think there would be a clear record of that, or at least the family could vouch for it or something. Yeah. And, you know, what I think is hard is like, this is 38, like this is the Great Depression, the beginning of World War II. You're thinking, you know, unfortunately, this is a black man in the South. So maybe there wasn't money for him to pay for a proper headstone or things like that. You know, it's just really hard to tell. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, his impact is well known. So... While he was alive, he only had one song that even was moderately successful, which was the Terraplane Blues, which sold a whopping 5,000 copies. 
Wow. However, after he died, Columbia Records compiled a, you know, massive album with pretty much all of his songs. And that became so well known that he posthumously won a Grammy for the best historic album. Wow. So, um, was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame during its inaugural year in 1980. And in 1986, he was officially inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as an early influencer. Wow. So. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, so say what you will about him. He definitely, you know, th- and it's hard. There's not a lot known about his life. There's not a lot known about the theory. There's not a lot known about anything. Um, yeah. But I kind of wanted to cover, you know, yeah, one of the people that really influenced rock and roll towards then a Black Black History Month. And uh, I just thought that would be a really cool kind of story. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think, you think you made a deal with the devil? I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun idea. You know, it's fun. But I don't know what that means for him now. Does that mean he's like being tortured? <laughs> yeah. Like, is he in purgatory or something? Like, you know, I yeah. just do wonder. Um But I will say, like, I do think his music is really cool. I think, you know, he definitely has had an impact on music overall. And whether he locked himself in his house and, like, really focused on music or he sold his soul to the devil, either way, like, good for you, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, well, it's interesting, though, if they they weren't impressed with him at all and then a year later were that impressed. I mean, that is a big change in a year. Yeah, and, you know... That is something that I, I mean, I'm not a musician, but you would think it would take longer, you know, right? Like it would, but maybe, you know, he met someone who was a really incredible musician and they mentored him or something, you know, we just don't really know. Um, Or maybe he manifested it, meditated on it. Who knows? all about manifestation, girl. (laughs) Positive energy. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um. I would hope it would be something like that, though, just because I don't want him to be suffering somewhere. But but yeah, the deal with the devil story is a fun story. I mean, just in terms of like, yeah, for him to make that big of a turnaround so quickly. But yeah, I hope that doesn't mean he's suffering. Yeah. And I do want to say is, I hope he thinks it was worth it. <laughs> and there's one more thing that he is attributed with. Hmm. He is attributed with being the first member of the 27 Club. so you know we will do a deep dive on the 27 club on our flight so keep an eye out for that but for those who don't know um the 27 club is a group of artists of all different types who tragically died at 27 and these are folks that we're going to get into so i'm not going to name names right now um but they are some really big people in music history art history even actors you know it's just something like that and maybe it's the sex drugs like like rock and roll lifestyle maybe some sort of conspiracy we don't really know um but i do think it is interesting how many influential people have died at 27 and it started with robert as far as we know so okay um i kind of thought that'd be a fun segue into our flight topic for this week too (laughs) yeah so look forward to that everybody i know March 1st. Keep an eye out. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I think, definitely has something to do with it for some of these people. (laughs) There's a lot of drug addiction. Yeah, especially for the folks in the 60s. 
Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Woodstock. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. A lot of yeah, them after Woodstock. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think a couple of my or people from Woodstock, you know, they went there. So, yeah. yep. So we'll look forward to that later this week. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess, did you want to say anything else about Robert Johnson mama? I know. I No, but you know, I do think it's good for people to know you know, what influenced a lot of the music back in the day, because, you know, I mean, so much music nowadays is just bit from, you know, previous musicians. And, you know, there are so many great musicians that had such influence. So, um, yeah, I really, I, I like putting out, you know, names that a lot of people might not know, or, um, yeah, when you think about some of my favorite people, you know, a lot of them were influenced by Sam Cooke, who's one of my favorites also. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like having, you know, I don't know, just giving credit where credit's due in terms of people who had big influence on different genres of music. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, Mark Ronson did a really amazing TED talk on the art of sampling. So go check that out on YouTube if you want. But like it it, it was all about how the reason why people sample is because why do we need to reinvent the wheel when something beautiful has been created? And I think, yeah. that, you know, well, sometimes I'm like, okay, they're sampling and then they're stealing, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but sometimes it's, it's incredible and it's beautiful and it's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of felt like I didn't want to do like, I mean, this does seem like a bit of a tragic story. Obviously he died very young. He grew up in a hard time, all of that. But uh, yeah. I do think I wanted to take a break from the super, super sad. <laughs> do yeah. Some- a Black History Month moment that was like a bit more positive in terms of after this person passed. So, yeah. Well, and it's sad too that he didn't get to um, see how successful he became or how much he was appreciated. Like, yeah. he was not around when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame or, you know, any of that stuff. So, yeah. It's always sad when people don't realize the impact they had. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because he was the first class of the Blues Hall of Fame and the second class of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So he obviously wow. had enough of an impact to get in right after the Beatles. You know, I mean, that's huge. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't well, know. and I don't want to start nothing, but, you know, I have issues with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, in terms of how long they make some people wait. Because I'm sorry, Miss Tina should have been in a long time ago. Can we talk about Dion is on the list again, but she has not been inducted formally. She has been on this list for yeah. how many years, Miss Dion Warwick? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I know a lot of it is audience vote. I understand that. But like, yeah. audience, older folks who have better music tastes, we cannot, we cannot let some of these people yeah. in yet. Like, well, and I, I went there several years ago gosh I don't even know what year it was now because of COVID made everything feel weird but um (laughs) pre-COVID I went there um and it was the year that Nina Simone got in and I was sitting there going like how has she not been in before you know Nina Simone like the woman who like influenced like so many people and was like friends with MLK I mean you just don't yeah it's crazy to me how that works um but yeah now I definitely uh I yeah. love the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I think it's fascinating. Um, if y'all want like a really fun experience with like rock and roll history that's like very black centric, if you go to the African American History and Culture Museum in DC, the whole upstairs, there's like a whole floor dedicated to like rock and roll music that like black people paved the way for. So very cool. Ten out of ten recommend that. You could um you could see uh 
Oh my god, come on, brain. Oh my gosh, what's Mom, you're gonna hate me right now. Who sings Johnny Be Good? What's what's his name? Um Chuck Berry? No. Chuck Berry. Oh okay. my god. I was like, is that right? I don't know. I kept wanting to say Chubby Checker and I knew that was wrong. Oh. I was like, I couldn't. I was like, I couldn't get that out of my head. Chuck Berry. You could see Chuck Berry's beautiful Cadillac. You could see Prince's guitars. You can see Jimi Hendrix's outfits. I mean, it's it's a good time. So go do that. Learn your rock and roll history, friends. It's really cool. Um, but there are other parts of that museum made you cry a lot. <laughs> so you got to be prepared for the emotional side of that museum yeah. as well. So do what I did and go upstairs first and do culture first and then go downstairs and do history and then get ice cream. <laughs> Yeah, because you had a hard time walking through that museum. At the end, it was hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's important. And, you know, it's very important that we know the history. So I'm really glad that they have some um, exhibits there that are so moving and so um, impactful and like giving perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's important yeah. to know the history, especially in a country where sometimes that history is being silenced or erased. And mm -hmm. We got to talk about it. So that's yep. me. <laughs> um, but anyway, friends, I guess I'll let y'all get back to your days or your evenings. Um, some housekeeping things, like we said, our flight will be out on March 1st. So please keep an eye out for that if you want more about the 27 Club. Um, we are also going to be posting our Patreon bonus episode for the month, which I believe is a mom episode. So yeah, out for that. Um. And speaking of Patreon, please go on to patreon.com and subscribe to What the Ale podcast. We are up there. Um, you could also sub or follow us on Instagram at What the Ale Pod, or you can, um, you know, do all the lovely things like subscribe, rate five stars, all of that. Um, and then if you did have a topic um, that you wanted us to share, ghost story. Um, anything like that, we do monitor our lovely email for ideas and we would love to do another listener's flight. So please let us know. Um, you can send all of that to what the at gmail.com. Um, but outside of that, I just want to say, I appreciate you, mama. I appreciate you too, baby. And we appreciate you all friends. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Good night.